What is a monetized mindset? How does it impact your financial security? How does that help you deal with what happens when what happens happens? Welcome your host, Bart Merrill. Everybody, welcome, welcome back to the Monetize Your Mindset podcast where we talk about what do you like to do? What do you need to do? What are you already doing? Can you monetize it? Or better yet, let's monetize it. Let's create the financial security that we need by monetizing the things that we already know or do. Today, we're going to sit down and talk with Stacy Gardner, the CEO and founder of Shoebox Bookkeeping. I figure we could pick her brain a little bit about the mistakes that some of the people make when they're they're starting a small business and trying to learn entrepreneurship. She has a lot of things that she can share with us on a lot of things besides the fact that she read my book. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you, Bart. Good to be here today. So, Stacy, I wanted to start with a little bit of your background and and how you got to where you are. So let's let's start with tell our listeners about you. All right. So I've been in the accounting industry for nearly 20 years now, doing governmental and profit accounting. Um, I've had my bookkeeping business now for about 10 years, but for nine years prior to that, I've been doing it as a side hustle. Kind of interesting how it all came about. Uh, I was I have grown up with parents who, you know, teach you that go out and get a good job and find something with good benefits and then work there for the next 30 years. And then if you want some extra spending money, then go and work a, you know, a retail job or fast food or something on the side so you can do those extra things in life. So I think a lot of people kind of grow up with that, um, you know, in smaller, uh, in poorer middle class families with that mindset. So I I did just that. I had some great jobs over the years, Um, one being a city treasurer. I worked for a large school district doing their finances. And then I did. I To be able to have and afford the other things, I had to go out and find a small retail um, job. While working for the school district, I had met um, someone who happened to be a CPA. And she approached me one day and said, I thought you had an accounting degree. She knew that I was working this side job. And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, well, don't take offense to this, but what the heck are you doing? You have a degree and you're working a side job in retail. What What's going on here? And I said, well, I just, I needed some extra money. And uh, she said, yeah, let me help you out with that. You know, come and have a meeting with me and we'll talk about this. So I went and had a meeting with her and she said, hey, you know, put your degree to work. And um, she actually had a few clients that she was bookkeeping for. And she got me started. I left there that day with two clients. Um and started doing bookkeeping for them. A year later, I had um, 10 more clients and kind of maintained that over the nine years. Really had always had the desire to run that full time, but it was just scary taking that leap with my upbringing of, you know, having that security and taking that leap meant that I probably wouldn't have that security any longer. (laughs) So um, I started talking with other business owners and trying to figure out should I take the leap? How do I take the leap? And one of them just said, you know, I'm going to be really honest with you, Stacey. If you don't ever bet on yourself, nobody ever will. If you want to make this work, take the leap, bet on yourself. So I quit my job that day. I came home. I told my husband, hey, I quit my job (laughs) (laughs) and I'm going to do this bookkeeping full time. 
He thought I was having a midlife crisis, which I probably was. Mm-hmm. And it went from there. So I've been about a year um, doing it full time. I went from 10 clients to 42 clients in a year. I have six people working for me and it's going great. Wow, that's a great story. You brought up some some really good points there. Number one was you talked about your upbringing and, and family and how you were taught to go out, get a job, have that job forever, and then retire, the 40-year plan of retirement. When you said that, the way I was brought up, and dad was a farmer, he was a pig farmer, but he wasn't just a farmer, he was a businessman, an entrepreneur. He had his hands in a dairy farm up in Idaho. We lived in southern New Mexico, so completely top and bottom of the country. He had his hand in a mushroom farm here in Utah, a produce warehouse in Arizona. So he just had his hands in many things that were pretty much related. And he um, taught me that as a kid, not not by saying, hey, Bart, this is what you got to do, right? but by his example. And so when things kind of went south for me when I was trying to decide what I was going to do, it just kind of fell into my lap naturally that I prepared myself for the opportunities that came and took advantage of those. Mm-hmm. So that's number one that you said. And then you talked about a the fear, the fear of jumping out and, and doing it on your own, not having that security blanket. But one for of the sure. things that's out there is right now, I mean, right now in this economy, the market is is crazy good and so it's easy to find a job. But in the bad times, you never know when that security blanket's going to be yanked out from under you. It's not like it was when your parents were growing up. Definitely. There was, everything was secure. So you brought out those points. And then the other thing was having a friend or a mentor realize that you weren't living up to your potential, if you want to say that, or that you were you could be making more. You could be doing more and doing better than a part-time job to make extra money. And that's one thing that I really want people to understand is that a part-time job is the cheapest form of, of side hustle or income that you could have. Oh, for sure. At that, I was bringing home maybe $5 after taxes. And again, with an accounting degree, that's I mean, that's something that an after school kid would be doing, you know, right. to earn some money. That's that's not something that you, you know, it it shouldn't be considered a side hustle, I guess. Right. And I think people make that mistake. And what it is, it, it takes a lot more time I mean, to start a side hustle. You may have a lot of time and a lot of effort going into it. Once you get it going, if you if you do it properly, the time should come back to you to where you have more time to enjoy life and enjoy your family by making that extra money. Definitely. Okay. With that, let's kind of transition into what do you see some of the mistakes that small businesses or solopreneurs make? Because Gosh. you're in that bookkeeping industry. Yes. You, you get to see a lot of people's books. Yes. What are some pointers that you could give us as small business people, including myself, what are some pointers about business? Probably the first thing is really trying not to commingle those funds. I see, um, I bookkeep for many businesses where they're making, you know, maybe 50, their, you know, gross sales are 50,000 a year and their gross sales are, you know, 3.2 million a year. Uh, the biggest thing is they get to the end of the year and they wonder where all the money went. 
Well, they tend to use their business account, either they're mingling personal and business funds for one, or they're using their business account as an ATM. So, you know, there's 20 trips to Taco Bell on there and um, they're getting their hair done, their nails done, massages, things like that that really have nothing to do with the business. They're not able to really know what how, you know, know what money that they're making. Uh, The other thing I would say is they try to grow too fast. Um, they'll get into business. They're so money hungry and their goal is to just get big without putting the fundamentals in place. So you really need to build those strong fundamentals. You need to know what you want out of it and maybe start small and then work on building that slowly. And then the other thing is, uh, putting the right people in place. I see many times they, uh, they hire employees and it's really kind of with an afterthought. They hire all these guys to go out and say be framers but then they didn't hire anyone to do their marketing they didn't hire anyone to do their bookkeeping so then they try to take those employees and force them maybe into positions that they're not good at or they end up letting them go or they realize their payroll um you know is is a little bit heavy so that would be a few of the things really plan out what you're hiring people for and what you actually need to build your business and make sure you have all areas covered Uh, The other thing I would tell you is bookkeeping. Bookkeeping is really probably one of the um, more underrated uh, needs for a small business. You get owners who are doing all of this on the side. They're trying to do the bookkeeping themselves, which means they're doing it at night. They're doing it on weekends. They're losing out on holidays. Uh, So it's really important that owners help find that balance of business and you know, family life and personal life. It's really easy to get caught up and get lost in that. So that would be something that I would tell you, not just because I'm in the business of bookkeeping, but I would hire someone that's, you know, good at finances. A lot of time they'll hire a, um, a receptionist who has great receptionist skills and is fantastic at what they do. And they try to force the bookkeeping on this receptionist and they don't want to do the books. They're not really, uh, prepared or have the knowledge to do the books and it creates more chaos. If you can have some good set of financials that you can have someone sit down with you on a weekly basis and go over, here's what you're bringing in, here's what's going out, and really just have those basic conversations so that you can plan some future things. And someone to be able to tell you, you know what, you need to do, you need to build this many houses in a month to be able to make ends meet. You need to do this many remodels. You need to go out on this many service calls and um, this is your break-even point, and then this is where you start to make profit off of that. That could be that's super helpful. So, what do you say to someone like me, who I don't necessarily I have an accounting degree. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not an expert at uh, at QuickBooks, and I don't actually like to do QuickBooks. I don't like to do this. I mean, that's why I'm not an accountant. I'm not a bookkeeper was in accounting to get in the FBI and that was the only reason I was taking accounting. Mm-hmm. But yet I have a hard time letting go to someone like you. Not, I don't, and I don't know why, mm-hmm. but yet I really don't, it could be the money because it does cost to have you do my books versus sure. me doing my books, but you could probably do it quicker than I could do it. And so if I kind of look at that, but what can you do for someone like me when it comes to doing my books? So we get that a lot. Um, people will tell me, you know, I just, I don't think I can afford you. Nine times out of 10, I will, I or a bookkeeper, I should say, um, we end up paying for ourselves. 
One, by knowing where your money is. I had one of the first gentlemen who I um, uh, started doing his bookkeeping. He had mentioned, he said the, the greatest thing to me, if you're not counting your money, someone else is. So you really need to know where your money's at. You need to be counting your money and you need to be knowing where it's going. So the other thing that I would say to you is, okay, if you're spending five hours a week working on your bookkeeping, how much is that time worth to you? What could you be doing with that five hours? Could you be bringing in more money? Where, where is your time better spent? And I think that's the biggest thing. You didn't get into business to do month end reconciliations. That's not your, that's not your passion and your goal in life to do all of your different adventures that you're doing. And I would say the same thing with the framer and the guy doing the service and the photographer. They didn't get into business to do this, nor do a lot of the times they're good businessmen and they've started, you know, businesses and women and they've, they've done great things, but they, it's just not their forte. So that's where I would tell you is to really try to get, um, hire people that can take time off of, take things off of your plate and give you back some of that time. It's a good answer because that is taking time of stuff that we are passionate about to do something that like in my case that I don't really like and that I don't really know about. Here's I, I had an accountant back when I had a couple of retail locations that was taking care of my payroll. And doing the the 940 or 941. Uh-huh. And he didn't do it. He was late or something. Anyway, I got some letters from the IRS. Mm-hmm. You, got, you hate those letters that come from the IRS. <laughs> right. And it was telling me that I owed about $5,000 because of his non-payment or late payment. And I was on the phone with this lady at the IRS. And she said, well, you, you owe this because you didn't get your 940 or 941, I don't remember which one it was, in on time, or you didn't get in at all. I can't remember what the complete circumstances were. And my question to her was, what's a 940? And she said, really? You're a businessman and you don't know what a 940 is? I'm like, lady, I pay someone to take care of this for me so I don't have to. Exactly. You realize now, now that's I a lot know, more common. <laughs> now I know what it is. But it was it, her her attitude towards me was rude in my point. You know, right. I was just like, really, you you question my business my business ability just because I pay someone to take care of that, and that's something that if I pay, you know, if I were to pay someone to take care of that for me, it's so much easier on me. Yeah, for sure. A lot of business owners, again, they're hesitant. And they really, you know, again, they think we're a salesman and saying, oh, yes, we can pay for ourselves. And once they actually take that leap and they do it, they're like, I've been in business 14 years. Why didn't I do this 14 years ago? You don't know how, you know, you've made my life so much easier. I can, they've got their life back. They can take vacations. They're putting it back into the area that they're passionate about and that they started the business for. And could possibly make more money because they're doing that. Oh, definitely. For yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, let's switch back to you starting. You going from the – to start your own thing. You you had this bookkeeping thing as a side hustle for nine years. Nine years. You were doing 10, 10 customers and then you took the leap to go full-time, quit your job, I'm assuming. Yep. And you went home, told your husband, I'm done. <laughs> you had your midlife crisis. Yes, how easy was it for you to do? 
Oh my gosh. Or what was the hardest part maybe? I I am an absolute planner. I I was going to be at that job for like I say the next 30 years. I like the stability, but at the same time, I've um back in the day I owned a dance studio and I ran that and that was super successful. So I've always kind of had that that passion to kind of do things on my own. I'm very much a leader and I very much have the drive to do it. I will say it is not for everyone. You do have to have that um, that mindset that if no one's there watching you, that you're that you're pushing through and you're still driving through um, to make your business run. If you don't have that mindset, it's it's a little bit um, might be a little bit more challenging for you. But so you're yeah. supposed to work, right? <laughs> you're supposed to work, and you don't have a boss anymore telling you that you have to work. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, it was definitely scary. And I sat down and I made a plan and it is not easy by any means. Um, I was probably working honestly 60 hour weeks in the first three to four months to make it work. But any business owner um, that's starting out will tell you the same thing. You probably have that year of nightmare that you're trying to get everything going and if you do it the right way and you really plan out your step by step and that was the biggest thing was sitting down and really deciding where I wanted it to go did I want to just have it be me bookkeeping and bring in a few extra clients and I I decided for me it worked that I brought on some employees and really kind of pushed it to that next level yeah whenever you get started it's like a no matter what business you're doing, it's like an airplane. When it takes off, they give it that thrust. And yep. then once it gets to cruising altitude, you you hear it kind of let off and they're at a cruising situation. And, and you also, one of the things I was talking with a lady just the other day, and she's a, a business mentor, you know, helps business with marketing. And she said the one thing that you need to do is you need to know where you what you want. Exactly. You need to ha- have it clear on where you're going, and it's what's like a GPS. You need to know two places, where you are and where you want to go. If you don't have those for the GPS, a GPS doesn't work. So that's good good stuff there. Now let's go into a few questions that I usually ask on the podcast. Okay. And you've listened to my podcast before, so you know a few of these questions. Yes, I faithfully listen every week. One question, the first question we're going to go with is, Books you've read. What are a couple of books that you would really suggest to people that are wanting to start in business or start a side hustle? Other than, of course, monetize your mindset, which is my book. (laughs) What are some of the books that you would recommend? Maybe that you quote from the most or that you recommend the most? Gosh, for sure, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Again, coming from a poor and middle class family, I it was absolutely mind blowing. I, I realized that everything that I knew in life was completely wrong, <laughs> not completely wrong, but just a different way of thinking. And that really changed me, um, to start moving things in a different direction. And just knowing that I didn't want to work for someone the rest of my life, that really pushed me to know how I can become more financially secure. And then honestly, Bart, your book, your book has opened, um, so many different areas of, paths of trying to find different ways to find that side hustle and to essentially monetize your mindset. Um, an example, I actually bought the book for my son and he was about halfway through it and he calls me and he's like, mom, I already have, I already have a great idea. I'm like, really? What, what's your great idea for your side hustle? And he said, well, he's like, where I travel a lot, 
he's like, we normally take about an hour and a half lunch. And he says, you know, he's a, he's 20 years old. He eats his food in you know, 0.2 <laughs> seconds. Uh, he signed up for DoorDash. So, and he delivers that on his lunch hour. He looks and to see where they're um, going to, what area they're going to be in for the day and where they're going to go for lunch. And he's, you know, looks to see if there's any orders. So then he goes and delivers a couple orders on his lunch hour and can make anywhere from 30 to a hundred bucks on his lunch hour, depending on tips and what he's delivering and those types of things. So yeah, there, if you, if you really start to really think about everything that you're doing in the day and figure out, is there a way that I can make, make money at that? Is there a way, what else am I interested in? I would say really sit down and kind of take a, a good look and make that list of, of what things you're good at, what things you want to do. And the possibilities are, are endless with what you could do. Yeah. That's a, that's a great story about what he does on his lunch hour. There's another one that I can't remember if if I've mentioned this to you or not. When I took my truck to the shop, I took an Uber home or maybe she was picking me up and taking me to pick up my truck. Gotcha. And Megan, she, her name was Megan. And I talked to her about, you know, doing Uber, how's it working for you? And she says, well, I'm a nurse at U of U Medical Center, and I just, I do Uber on my way home. She lives in Payson. Mm-hmm. So she takes a ride from from Salt Lake County to Utah County on her way home, and it does two things for her. Number one, she makes an extra 50 to $60 a day just on her drive home on something she was going to do anyway. Right. But what else does it do for her? She can drive in the carpool lane, so it actually saves her time because she has a passenger with her. Right. So if she's in traffic, it, it makes it faster for her. So just little things like that. I mean, think about that. In, in your son's case, an extra 50 to to $100 a day, you know, times 10 days is not 500 an extra five hundred bucks. Oh yeah, for 500 sure. Five hundred to a thousand dollars. And you know it. And again, my mind goes to the well. Now, what write-offs does she have? She can start writing off her mileage to and from work now, and different things. So there does open that whole other level of, um, you know, of ways to increase money or save money or, for sure. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I think everybody needs a side hustle just for the tax benefits alone. If they Exactly. Especially with some of the changes that have happened, you know, where you if you set up an LLC or a or an S Corp to take handle your business part of things, there's tax advantages that you can't get as just a personal W2 employee. Oh, definitely. And that that alone would it's going to save you save you money. Um, and I did not pay you to pitch my book. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that book when it first came out. It was one of my starter books. Now, I didn't have a Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I had my dad, and I call him the Entrepreneur Dad. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, like I said, he didn't sit me down and, and teach me any principles per se. It was just watching him on the things that he did and, and what he did every day. He was an avid reader. He would get up early in the morning and read until, you know, from like 5.30 to 7, he was reading mm-hmm. reading stuff. And he, you know, and I'm not, a, I don't do that. I'm, I don't, I'm not an early riser. <laughs> Me neither. But the fact is, in this day and age, with the internet and some of the things that you can do, you don't, you can work at nighttime Instead of in the early morning, if, you, if you're not an early riser, mm-hmm. you can get stuff done after your kids go to bed. And so there's just so, many, so much that you can do. 
And in that aspect, you know, again, I just wanting to make that clear that working for a company for 30, 40 years isn't necessarily wrong. Again, I grew up in a household who, uh, that was my dad. He was a city council and a mayor. He gave back to the community. Um, he worked for a school district and retired with a great pension and it works and it's great. It's just, it just may not be the path, you know, the path where everyone it may not be the best path. Exactly. <laughs> and again, there are those um, knowing the difference really between a side hustle and a part-time job at a retail store is is not a side hustle. That's that's an extra way to make ends meet. Um, right. Not thinking outside. Well, the and I, I have I, I volunteer at a drug rehab center and I have a story that is in my book actually about Edwin and Edwin. He um, his parents were not bad parents. But they just weren't there. They were all doing, you know, they had two and three jobs each all the time. Mm -hmm. And he always had to walk home from school. Rain, sleet, snow, heat, didn't matter. He had to walk home from school. And he would watch all the other kids get picked up in the bad weather. And he just wished someone would pick him up. And because his parents had that weren't there. I mean, they were trying to provide for him. Exactly. And have him a place to go. But it it caused him to join a gang because the gang was there for him. So at age 11, he joined a gang, 11 or 12. And in he ended up in prison at age 15. Right. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that is a possibility that if you're too away from your kids... They, they can, it's just not a good situation. Oh, for sure. And I get people all the time that will tell me, oh, you're working 60 hours a week. You know, where, you know, do you have time for your kids starting this new business? Was it the best thing? Well, the nice thing is, is I have that flexibility that I didn't have before with a, you know, with a boss right. that I can say, no, I'm setting this time aside and this is the time that I'm home with my kids and this is what I'm doing with my kids. It's really actually... I've picked up the hours. It'll eventually slow down at some point. But again, by having that flexibility, 100%, you do gain that. And you only have to answer to yourself. Right. And then the other thing, uh, working on a project now with Richard Paul Evans and a thing that he's releasing. And I was talking with him about my book. And and he said, you know, that's awesome because million-dollar ideas don't come from a job. Right. They come from your side hustle or you know, a business you start in your garage. And that's where the big ideas come from. And so it's just, guys, you all need to have a side hustle. Christmas just ended. You're going to have a lot of Christmas to to pay off. A lot of people do, not everybody. Don't get a side job, get a side hustle. 100%. Yes. Okay, next question. What is a mistake that you have made where you learn the most? And if you don't have one personal Maybe you have a story about something that you've seen where someone made a mistake and and learned a lot. Gosh, um, you know what? I've in the course of uh, doing the bookkeeping for as long as I have, the biggest thing I've seen is owners trusting too much, I guess. One of the things that I learned um, in my auditing course is everybody still is given the opportunity. When I first heard that, I was like, no, that's not right. That can't be. Most people are good. And it's true. Most people are good. And a lot of times it's the people who you least expect. So I think that's the biggest thing. People go into business with a partner. They really don't know the other partner. 
um, and a lot of theft ends up occurring. Or, you know, they part on different ways, um, you know, they part ways and they, it was really because they had different, um, different visions and wasn't quite, they weren't, they just weren't syncing up of what they wanted to do. So really having those conversations beforehand and again, putting those controls and procedures in place to reduce the theft. So that's some of the big, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest things I've seen over my years. I can relate because I had a guy that uh, embezzled or took a lot of money from me back in 2000 in the hundreds of thousands of dollars range. And it did really almost, it almost threw me into bankruptcy. Right. And also, I think this story is in my book as well. I trusted him too much and, and it was a confidence scheme where I tried it with a little bit of money and then I tried it with more money. And then once I jumped all in with all feet, mm-hmm. it, it came tumbling down like a house of cards. And also from, you know, I guess I should have learned from my dad because my dad grew up in an age where your word was your bond and you, yep. you could do it on a your word or a handshake, no contracts. And the last part of his life, he had several people come in and take advantage of him. Like you said, partnerships where invoices came into the company, but the money never got to the bank or stuff like that. And, and so, yeah, you need to watch who you get into business with and who you do trust. It's sad that we have to say that, but you, you do have to deal with that in this industry. hundred percent. And it's, it is rough being on this end of it as well of the person, you know, coming in and both partners are sitting there telling you, we don't know why we don't have any money. It's, it's not succeeding. And you get going through it and you have to have that rough conversation of, okay, well, here's some expenses that we can't determine where they've gone. And, you know, eventually everything comes out. So sometimes it's a little rough being on this end of it, of being the one to point that out and knowing that you've kind of tore apart a partnership. <laughs> <laughs> and then how does that conversation go? Ah, uh, you tread very lightly because again, first you've got to, you've got to do a lot of investigating to make sure that what you're, what you're thinking and what you're presenting is correct. But again, usually if it, if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's, it's a duck. <laughs> so I have my brother, he was, he had a job as the assistant controller at a dairy mm-hmm. and he found out that the, the controller was embezzling mm-hmm. and he made a comment to the owner and the controller overrided him and my brother basically lost his job have you ever been fired because of doing something like that well i can tell you it's almost um you almost know immediately if there's kind of something going on so when you go in and you meet with the the company and you're having conversations about you know here are some controls that we're putting in place and all of a sudden there's people that are very angry and they're ready to quit and leave and why did you bring in someone from the outside and That's a pretty good sign for me to know there's some things that are going on here. And so, you know, there have been a few owners that have kind of haven't really understood why their employees feel that way or their partners feel that way. Well, nine times out of 10, if if they're upset by putting controls in place and um, holding people accountable, you know, holding them accountable to what they're doing, then yeah, there's usually something going on there. And again, there's different types of theft. Not everyone is, you know, stealing actual cash. It's everything from office supplies or time that you've got someone that really isn't earning their 40 hour a week paycheck. That's theft. If you're working two hours a week, but getting paid for 40, right? 
it's a form of theft. And yeah. so, yeah, there's been a few times that, you know, the owners have maybe thought, gosh, I don't know if I did the right, you know, the right move here. And, but yeah. And just kind of having that conversation of, you know what, just give it some time. You might be surprised what we end up finding. Any last advice or last words you would like to leave with our audience? Gosh, I would say, again, I think you touched on it earlier. Try find a side hustle. Everybody does need to have a side hustle and understanding the difference between that side hustle there. It was interesting when I first started bookkeeping, a lot of my clients had um, side hustles that were making them a lot of money and many times more money than what they were making in, um, you know, their day job. And so where the market has turned and things are good now, a lot of those people have, you know, quit those jobs and have gone out and they've, you know, they've grown them into these amazing companies. And so some of that is understanding, is it a side hustle that is good to stay a side hustle or is it something that you've grown and that can sustain and be your full-time job? So, um, just looking at a few things like that, but be open to the possibilities and what things you could make money at. I find that a lot of the times the thing that you think no one's going to want this service and this doesn't make sense are the things that people actually want and are paying really good money for those services or those products or whatever it is that you're doing. Right. And it, it is so easy nowadays to, to do a side hustle and not do stuff you don't want to do. And I'm not saying a clerk job is not something you want to do, but come on. It's paying, well, right now it's not, it's paying 11 to maybe 11 to $14 an hour, at least at the the holiday oil that I go get my drink at. Right. <laughs> there, there's a sign on the door that they want, you know, come join our team and we get, you know, your pay is, you know, I think it's 11 to $13 an hour to start. Mm-hmm. It's not five bucks an hour, but, right. or seven bucks an hour, whatever minimum wage is. But still, there's, there's, you can do more, have more control of your life. You can make more if it's a hit. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know, I think I find it more fulfilling doing the stuff that I do. Gives you more options. For sure. Find something that you love and enjoy. It does make it a, lo- a lot easier. Well, and I like to say, don't leave out the stuff that you need to do. Right. Like, uh, or that you're already doing. I, this could play into both. But like Megan... She was driving from from Salt Lake County to Utah County. She probably didn't like it, but she needed to do it because mm-hmm. of her job. She was doing it anyway. Right. And then you add the person and you get to use the HOV lane, so it's a win-win for for both parties. And so, you know, just I, I like to say don't leave out the stuff that you need to do, even if you don't like it, even if you're not passionate about it, because that's a place that a lot of people overlook. Oh, definitely. All right. Well, Stacy, thanks for joining us today. And I hope you enjoyed your little visit with us. Yes, it was great. For those who are listening, thanks for listening. And until next time, go monetize it. Thanks for listening. Remember, monetize your mindset. Build financial security by monetizing what you already know so that you will always have the resources to deal with whatever happens. When what happens happens. Follow us on Facebook and at BartMerrill.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.